0: I'm Lisa DeLay, and you're listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. I am your host, Lisa DeLay. This is Soul School Lesson 107, Something About Icons. So today I'm going to talk about icons. And if you think I'm going to be talking about Madonna or Beyonce or fashion icons like Lady Gaga or athletic icons like Serena Williams, that's definitely not what I'm talking about. Our use of the word icon has really changed over the years. And we tend to use it as a way of saying a standard bearer, putting someone on a pedestal, something about celebrity, something about idolization of someone we admire or someone who who shows a kind of classic for something that we put on a pedestal. But the actual meaning of icon is image. And what is meant by icons and iconography or people who create icons? I'm gonna talk a little bit about that today. And I am creating an icon. It involves paint on a wooden board. As I delved into finding out what this is all about and how to do it the proper way or as best as I could, I found out loads of information and I thought I'd share some of that with you because it is really, really a rich tradition, a rich history, and I didn't know a lot of it, so I thought maybe you didn't either. Before we get started on that, I wanted to mention that On September 11th, 2018, I will be doing a class called Beginning in the Contemplative Way, and this is free and open to everyone, open to the public. This will take place on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash sparkmymuse, live event, 7.30 p.m., New York City time. And I really hope you'll join me and everyone else who's going to be participating. This is the first free class out of six classes. The other classes will be available to you as you participate in the course. And I'll be so happy to have you along. We're going to be talking about the apophatic way of spirituality. And this is kind of, a, you might even say the shadow side of spirituality, the part that Doesn't have to be active, doesn't have to be in pursuit, because God is everywhere, and we don't have to call out to a man on a cloud in heaven and think that God is far away. This is the via negativa of the spiritual path. There's a light and there's a dark side, and they exist both within us, and God is within us because God is everywhere, present. And we can embrace those concepts of the positive way and the negative way of knowing and understanding God. This is a rich tradition in the Christian tradition, of course, but also many other faith traditions embrace this mysterious way of encountering the divine. It's a contemplative way, and uh, it has to do with the mysteries. Uh, There aren't these hard, fast answers, but... What it helps us do is to get over some of the frustrating things that happen when we are led to a dark and obscure place, a desert place in our lives. We don't have to feel that we're abandoned by God or alone, and we don't have to feel like something's gone horribly, horribly wrong, that this is just part of ordinary life, and those desert places aren't places of losing our way, they're just dark places where God still abides. And as I introduce this course, I hope that it'll be something of comfort and also something of camaraderie as we come together to discuss these things. And I'll be bringing up uh, lots of quotes and um, helpful advice from teachers along the path. And I am excited to share this time with you. So I hope that you will join me, save the date, write it down, give yourself a reminder to come on Facebook for this live free event, and then. If you enroll in the course every Tuesday for the next five weeks after that, you will be able to see a live presentation or watch the replay. So I hope you'll join me in that and get enrolled at sparkmymuse.com. Go to the Soul School Courses section and sign up today. So I'm not painting an icon. I've learned that a person does not paint an icon, but instead one writes an icon. And that's because icons are not artwork. Instead, they are sacred images. They are used as vehicles of worship and prayer. The term icon refers to sacred images, and specifically those developed in Orthodox Christian tradition. And this is Orthodox Christian tradition is the first kind of Christian tradition there was. There was a schism around 1000 AD, or, and the... Roman Catholic Church split off, the Eastern and Western Churches split apart in the Great Schism. The Eastern Churches didn't want the centrality of Christianity to be held in Rome by a Pope there, and there were a lot of other disagreements and problems, and they split up. Iconic images and traditions began around the 300s or so AD, or BCE if you prefer. Today I'll talk about this very ancient visual expression of the word of God developed in those times. And we can also understand that many people in those times were illiterate unless you happened to be wealthy or in a cleric position and could get an education. So visuals were very important to people to help them pray and worship and understand the message of the gospel. In current times, of course, the word icon is far removed from its original use and meaning. And we know that we have to, in a way, re-educate ourselves if we're going to understand what what icon means now. Icons have been described as windows into heaven and as making the invisible visible. They try to take up this in-between space between our world here and the unseen realm or the spiritual, fully spiritual unseen realm. The seen realm and the unseen realm are bridged by this sacred image. These traditional images have been historically revered as an equivalent in authority to Holy Scripture and as visual expressions of the Word of God. Some have been reputed to perform healing miracles, and the Orthodox Church— Is adorned by an altar screen called uh, iconostasis and it's covered with icons as well as there's portable icons on stands in the church and an orthodox christian home will typically include what's called a beautiful corner where icons are displayed on a special shelf and they're greeted by visitors prior to greeting the residents as a way of respect for those venerated in the pictures and small icons may function as meditation objects or as prayer companions, much like maybe a rosary, rosary beads or prayer beads. You wouldn't pray to the beads or anything. They would just help remind you about prayers. And more than just sacred art, icons are treated with great reverence because they're an active part of a relationship with the sacred, with the holy. They help people be... Regularly reminded to be aware of the sacred and to include the spiritual in regular life. I personally never really appreciated icons. I have grown up in Protestant evangelicalism. I had thought of those aesthetics as off-putting because I'm a fan of classical Italian Renaissance realism. I'm a Renaissance girl. I love the Italian Michelangelo and Da Vinci And now I realize that icons are not considered art, but instead they're purposefully stylized. And they're used to depict the liminal space and draw the devoted into deeper worship, into sacred moments of richer prayer. And that alone began to shift my thinking. So everything depicted in icons is is packed with intention, rich symbolism. The paintings are labeled Uh, with the people's names on it, who they're depicting. It's not supposed to be a a puzzle as to who you're looking at. They're not paintings to gaze at. They're mysteries to be entered into. The pictures represented usually project an intense and confident presence, and they seem to return your gaze. The eyes are drawn larger proportionally to the face than normal, And they invite you to even begin an inner scrutiny or repentance inside. There are common figures in the Bible, such as Jesus, or the Trinity, or the Mother Mary, or the saints, or the apostles, or scenes from the Bible. Iconography has many artistic rules and conventions that are at work. They're all for specifically intended purposes. It's both spiritual practice and a non competitive artistic discipline to create one. So the work is undertaken with prayer and a contemplative atmosphere. Some iconographers will pray and fast during the period that they are creating this piece of work. An artistic originality or self expression are rarely required or even considered appropriate when writing an icon, although every iconographer develops a unique style or approach as they continue their work. Icons are left unsigned or signed only on the back as, quote, by the hand of, quote, and then the artist's name. But the underlying drawing of the painted icon is geometrically structured and very proportioned in a very systematic way. Color areas are clearly defined and figures are elongated. Eyes are large and shadowed. Eyebrows arched and noses are long and straight. Mouths are closed. Hands are gracefully stylized and elongated. The forehead, which is considered the seat of the intellect, and the collarbone area, which is considered the gateway to the heart. Those are areas that are always emphasized. The eyes and at least one ear are always visible to enable the figure to see and hear the viewer, as it were. And out of respect for the commandment in Exodus chapter 20 about no graven images, orthodox icons avoid strongly three-dimensional effects, so realism is avoided purposefully. If you see something that looks like an icon with gold leaf on it, but it looks realistic like a photograph or someone you might really recognize, that's not an icon because it's supposed to be purposefully obstructed from that three-dimensional effect. But specific highlights hint at a deeper dimension that's a spiritual dimension. So perspective is flattened or even inversed So realism can be avoided. It is if, in fact, that as we see the figure depicted, it's as if we're looking at ourselves, but from the perspective of the icon figure's point of view, looking back at us with that inversed perspective. Iconoclasm is Greek for breaker of icons. In the Eastern Roman Byzantine Empire, government-led iconoclasm began with Byzantine Emperor Leo III in what was called the first iconoclasm. It lasted between 726 and 787 BCE. And this is where the destruction of many icons and sacred images happened and churches were burned down and icons were destroyed. Methods for creating an icon, like the prosopin method, requires a series of carefully executed steps. Unlike just creating artwork by an artist with free expression and originality, not so in this method. Each of these steps takes an hour or two for a total of at least 40 hours to create an icon. It has to be devotional and ritualized in in a process that produces a liturgically correct icon that's in quotes liturgically correct, that uses only natural materials. Every material and step is symbolic and part of a coherent system of symbolic and spiritual meanings. The materials can be very costly, like the gold, using 23 or 24 karat gold leaf for the golden halos or the backgrounds. A little gold leaf that I found in a booklet, about a 4 by 4 inch or 3 by 3 inch leaf, is over $100. The use of all natural materials and pigments happens as well. Iconic styles are predominantly Greek-influenced, but also Russian, Coptic, and Ethiopian. Most historic examples are paintings using egg tempera paint on wood. Others are mosaic, fresco, embroidery, tapestry, precious metals, and enamel. Most familiar icons are half-length figures of Jesus, Mary, holding the Christ child, angels, saints, prophets, and apostles. Some types include faces or full-length figures, traditional scenes representing special days of the church calendar, and illustrations of some of the Bible stories or legends of the saints. I found much of this information I'm conveying to you from an artist, teacher, and iconographer living in California. Betsy Porter. BetsyPorter.com is where you can find out a lot about the materials used, step-by-step instructions, she holds classes, and there is a wealth of information there if you would like more of that. That's all I have for today about icons. It's quite a... Rich tradition. It's quite a lengthy process to make one, and I am endeavoring to do that right now. I hope you learned something new and interesting, and maybe this will inspire you to create something yourself in some kind of sacred way with some sort of specific intention to do such a thing. Maybe it's going to be to write an icon or just write a poem, maybe create a special meal. Or just do something in an intentional way that you feel branches into the sacred. And do it for God's glory and for your own flourishing, which is often intertwined into the very same thing. I hope you'll share this episode with somebody today. And if you want to see photos and updates of my progress in my own iconography, that can be found at my support page, Patreon.com. Forward slash Spark My Muse. In the coming weeks and months, I will be updating with pictures and some of the trials and tribulations of trying to get this right, and um, some of the choices I have to make with materials. I won't be able to use all regular materials um, because I can't afford 24 karat gold. <laughs> Just one last reminder: Join me September 11th, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, New York City time, on facebook.com forward slash sparkmymuse. I would love to see you there and have you join me with the others in the first class of my six-week course beginning in the contemplative way. Have a wonderful day and may you realize that you are God's icon in the world.